a great question because through the workshop, like I, I had done guided meditations and, and it just didn't work. And I'll tell you why it didn't work because I didn't have someone to explain to me what I just explained, that the thoughts are what we want. Those thoughts, this is the misconception around meditation, as I said before. We need those thoughts to come and we need to observe the thought non-judgmentally and then we need to let the thought go by returning to the breath. We don't go, right, you can go now. We don't do that. What we do is we return to the breath and focus on the breath and that's how we strengthen that pathway by doing that, right? So the thought comes and we go. I never had that explained to me, ever. And I've never, and people have said to me, oh no, you gotta let the thoughts come and go. It still wasn't enough for me to understand what I needed to do. Welcome to the Spiritual Shiftworker Podcast. I'm Lyanne, and I'm so happy that you've pressed play today. This podcast is here to inspire you, but more importantly, to provide you with the tools you may need in order to make a shift in any area of your life. Whether it's a small shift or a big shift, I will be sharing real life stories from incredible humans who have done both. And of course, as a shift worker, we will navigate all the ups and downs of working shifts from nutrition to learning how to ditch the overwhelm to creating more time to do the things that light you up. So grab that Java, sit back and enjoy. Welcome back, beautiful souls, to another episode of the Spiritual Shiftworker Podcast. This episode today is part two of three of the mini-series with Roger Sutherland. And what I found really interesting in all of my conversations with Rogers and <laughs> was how much we had in common. And I really loved having this conversation this week all about meditation. So what's really cool is hearing a guy's perspective on how it changed his life. So I really hope that if you have not given meditation a try, that this is going to inspire you to do so. Sometimes when you hear um, the benefits from the same person or you see the same statistics, sometimes you don't really get it. And so having another perspective and Roger's personal experiences which are very similar to mine in how it changed a lot of how I acted and reacted in my daily life is really comforting to know because this is the thing. You can meditate like literally five to 10 minutes a day and it is going to change your life. I guarantee that. And I loved how Roger goes in and talks a lot about the science of it. And he also shares uh, one of the podcast episodes that he did on his own podcast. So I will be dropping that in the show notes. So without more to say about meditation, because you know I could talk all day about it, grab that Java. Let's get started. Welcome, Roger. Okay, everyone, just so we know, Roger has been on the podcast before, um, but we really wanted to dig into something that both Roger and I have really, really passionate about, but also just connected with so, so much on Instagram, and that's meditation. And what I love about this is that now we're getting a male's perspective on meditation because I know from working with a whole bunch of guys, it's a little bit of a struggle. So welcome back to the podcast, Roger. How are you today? I'm very, very well. Thank you, Leanne. I'm, I literally um, uh, 
meditation is is something that I'm very, very passionate about. And I know, I can totally understand the struggles that you would have with us chest-beating males that are all too big and far too tough to be sitting there going, um, but that's not what it's about, is it? No, it's not. And so because I know, again, the other episode that we've done, people already know what you do and and how much you how much knowledge and amazing information that you provide to your clients but how did you get into meditation yourself yeah i think this is a really really important um part of where we start today and i think in relation to my journey into meditation in june of 2020 um basically right in the height of COVID, um, I was suffered severe um, work stress, work-related stress. At the time, I was in tremendous shape physically. I was in a really, really good place. I'd, I'd lost a lot of weight. Um, I was feeling fantastic. I was in and out of the gym four or five times a week. Everything was going really well. And then I suffered what is known as a transient ischemic attack, which to those that are uneducated, it's um, it's a minor stroke. And when I went, I was um, I collapsed and I actually thought I was going to die on the footpath there. And I, I was very confused as to why this would actually have happened to me. I was so fit and healthy. But you see, a journey in law enforcement takes its toll in a big way. And I think... Um, from the past podcast, you will know that I've done nearly 39 years of shift work. And at that stage, it was, well, here we are now, we've gone past June. So it was three years ago. So I was um, 56 years old and or nearly 56 when this actually occurred to me. And I I couldn't believe it. I thought I'm going to just die here. And I don't even understand why. But I'd already done law enforcement for 36 years at that point in time, and we don't realise how much stress is actually impacting on our body. When I was transported to hospital and I saw the um, uh, uh, neuro um, specialists, the brain specialists, um, and all of those people that ran all the tests, nothing showed up in any way whatsoever, which was really good um, because he said that it was actually how fit I am that actually combated the clot and and helped me to survive that. So I said to him, so why did it actually happen? And he goes, that's stress. Mm. And I said, what? And I didn't understand fully how I could have been stressed when I was in a really good place. But we don't realise stress is very much a silent killer. Mm. Um, And it sneaks up on us without us even realising. And purely just by being shift workers too, Our body is highly stressed. Whether we're in good shape, we're feeling really good. The fact that our body is outside of its own circadian rhythm puts it in a position where it is stressed because it's not sure what it should be doing, when it should be doing. And it does get to the stage where it can throw its hands in the air and go, look, I just don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here, so it just gives up. And I think that scared me terribly. Yeah, that is... It is really unbelievable how much stress our bodies can take, but then at some point, right, when we miss all the signs. And so maybe that's the question. You're you're in such good shape and you're in such a good place mentally, but it's the underlying stress, right? There's years and years of stress that our body holds on to unless we figure out how to get rid of that. 
and it and we can but were there signs that you missed or now no. that you look back nothing yeah now that i look back at my journey at the time like i was under significant stress from work at the time but my outlook was gym walking you know, I was I was walking with my partner at the time and I literally was only two blocks from home, but heading out, not coming back. So it's not like I was at the end of a long walk and I was exhausted. We were just heading out. And I the, the signs I think that we need as shift workers, particularly us working in law enforcement, um, as we're getting exposed to the trauma, I think we have to remember and we have to keep this foremost in our mind. And the thing that we have to keep foremost in our mind is that what a member of the public will see as the worst possible thing they've ever seen possibly in their life, we are seeing multiple times in a week or day even, you know. So when someone picks up the phone and in your situation, they ring 911 and they are desperate for help. <clears throat> That incident that you turn up to, that you go, oh, yeah, it's just a, it's a motor car accident, you know, like we just deal with that. So then that's, that's significant. But to us, it's just another thing. But you know what? We're human. And those are all going into our brain all the time. And we are taking all of this on board and it's manifesting in the background all the time until one day the body says no. And that's it. I can't do this anymore. I can't take it. Now I, I suffered from. Uh, I'm, I'm a uh, sufferer of, um, from PTSD and I, I had to find a way to actually manage that and I wanted to manage that in a big way. And I have always wanted to learn to meditate because of what I had read about it. The science is incredibly strong around uh, meditation for what it actually brings to us. And you know what? I think one of the things that I think is really sad for people with meditation is that they don't know how to go about it. Because when you do and you understand meditation, it changes your life forever. But I don't want people to think that you've got to sit there on a cushion facing a wall with your hands crossed going on because that's not meditation, you know, because this is what people think because they think of the Buddhists and they think of them sitting there in their mountains with their legs crossed and their hands on their knees and, and staring up into the sky going on. But that's not meditation. That is one form of meditation. Right. And there is so many different ways that we can have a mindful practice, which really does make a big difference to us. Now I've spoken um, on my podcast about my own journey with um, meditation, but I also have had my, uh, teacher on my podcast as well, talking about um, meditation and the science from behind it. So I highly recommend that people listen to that as well, because it's really important that people understand the neuroscience that goes behind meditation. Um, yes, for sure. Yeah, so, sure. yeah, and I think just to just to bring us up to where I got to, I saw advertised, look, my partner, Melissa, she's um, she has a good meditation practice and she works quite hard at her meditation um, and, and she does it regularly, you know, whenever she feels she needs it. She's not a daytime meditator, but she does meditate when she feels like she needs it. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. So when she feels a little bit overwhelmed, she will turn to a meditation practice, which I think is really good. Um, and I wanted to learn. And I've tried Calm App. I've tried, um, you know, um, oh, I can't think of the other one now, but there's a lot of apps out there. 
And I have learned that guided meditation is not for me, right? I, I can't do guided meditation. I need to be in my own presence. But that shows the difference between some people and me. Some people need guided meditation. I don't need, I need to just be present in myself. So when at Melissa's local yoga studio, where they, um, where she practices, um, the, uh, my meditation teacher was running a four-week workshop and I thought, no, nah, this is it. I'm going to go and I'm going to learn and I'm going to put this teacher to the sword because nobody has a more active mind than what I've got. I have a mind, as you can tell by the way I talk, I have a mind that goes a million miles an hour in about 500 directions. And I wanted to learn how to control all of that and make such a difference to myself. And this workshop, I've come out of this workshop, which was run in, I think it was October of 2022. And well, here we are now in um, July of 23. And I, I just have, it's just changed. We don't realize how much meditation changes the way we look at things completely differently. Sorry, that's a bit of a ramble, but that's, that's where I got to in relation to learning. I highly recommend that people literally go to a school to learn how to meditate properly so that you can find the practice that suits you. Mm, that's important, right? It's not a one size fits all. Right. I, I mean, there's, there's a mindfulness practice, right? And I always sort of explain to, to, to my clients is that there's mindfulness and you can be mindful every single minute of your day, right? It's a practice though, but meditation for me, and it sounds like we're the same on the fact that I'm not really the guided meditation either is that it's really about, like you said, you have so many thoughts running around and meditation. I think people have a lot of confusion is like, Oh, I can't meditate because I can't stop from thinking. (laughs) And it's, that's for me, that's not what it's about. So is that what you've experienced as well, that it's, it's being able to understand the thoughts and coming and going and then releasing them. Is that sort of the same? Is that what you got out of meditation? Yeah, what I got out of meditation, when I went into meditation, my mind, as I said, goes a million miles an hour. And I wanted to learn how to quieten that down. How do you quieten it? You don't, do you? No. You don't quieten it. And this is the misconception that people mis- completely misunderstand. We are human beings and we have a brain and our brain is literally running in a million directions. And when we have a job that's high pressure, high stress, and I'm going to use law enforcement as an example because we've got radios going, we've got people coming at us, we're dealing with highly critical situations, we're dealing with car wrecks, we're dealing with domestic violence situations. Our mind is going all the time and we take all of that on board. So it's natural that when we get home and we go to bed, the brain is going do, 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 and it's just literally beating in all those directions. And I think when people sit down, not think, I know, when people sit down to meditate for the first time, they just go, oh, I can't do this because my brain is running all over the place. But we want it to do that. Wow. That's what we want it to do because the practice is in the return. And this is what people don't understand. If there's one thing that we have to do and that you've got and I've got and every single person listening to this podcast has, is they have to breathe. So it's there every single second of every single day. So it's a great focal point for us to come back to when those thoughts come. 
And I think what is most important, most important for people is to observe the thought without judgment, right? And I think we have to look at the thought without any judgment at all. Oh, that's interesting. Why did I think that? Oh, well, there you go. And then the next day, that's interesting. This has come up again, but back to the breath again, breathing in, breathing out. There is that thought again. That's interesting. I wonder why that thought came again. And that is all part of the message. Because if you look at it and you go, no, you can't think that. Stop thinking that. No, this is not what we're here for. We're here to focus on the breath. Come back to the breath. No, don't think that. You're judging the thought and we can't be judging the thought because that's not what the practice is. The practice is observing the thought and going, that's interesting, and then letting it completely go. And it does. It completely goes. When we go, oh, I've got to come back to the breath, focus on the breath, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. Now, if I could liken this, if I may, to, and I'm going to, I'm going to use us, our, our, the big gorillas that are listening to this, our, our men that beat their chests, all right? Yes. When a man goes to the gym, he picks up a weight and he starts working a weight, right? And he gets a mind-muscle connection, but his brain wanders. And then he goes back to that mind-muscle connection and then he starts focusing on the squeeze and away and the squeeze and away. And I want him to think of the squeeze like a breath, all right? Mm -hmm. So when you first go into the gym, you pick up a five-kilogram dumbbell and you start flexing it like you work a muscle. And the brain is a muscle that needs to be worked as well. Because if we don't exercise it, it doesn't know what it's got to do or where it's got to go to, right? Where, where do you want me to, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to think? But in the gym, we exercise and we go five kilo dumbbell. And then the next time we go into the gym, we pick up a six kilo dumbbell. And the next time we go, oh, I should talk pounds, shouldn't I really? <laughs> but you pick up a but you pick up a, 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 a 10 pound dumbbell and then you pick up a, a 15 pound dumbbell and then you pick up a 20 pound. So what you're doing is you're making your muscles stronger and stronger because of the mind muscle connection. And that's exactly what we're doing with our brain with meditation as well. And I know people might think, but what is it achieving? I'll tell you what it's achieving. If there's one thing that I've learned out of meditation, and I think Hannah, my instructor, Dr. Um, Hannah Sale, who was my instructor, and she talks about this on the podcast, even though it is not physically possible to occur, meditation slows down time for you, and it's, it's ridiculous, it's ridiculously simple, and over time, meditation slows down, and you will know a person who is a meditator you can pick them in the public. They're calm. They are quite calm people because when things happen in front of them, and I can even talk about, you know, as police people with a critical incident where you've got to draw your weapon or something like that, time will slow down and it will literally give your brain time to process what's happening because you've been exercising that. And then what it will do is it will literally allow you to make an informed decision as to how you're going to respond to it. Now, I think if you are listening to this and you're a person that drives along and when someone cuts you off mm. or takes your lane or moves in front of you and you go off, you need to meditate because when that actually happens to a meditator, you just go, oh, well, you know, so be it, don't you? Yeah. It is unbelievable 
how you can lengthen, like you said, it's that reactionary time right between the stimuli, the trigger and the response. That is the biggest thing that I've seen in myself. And like you just said, there's things that I used to go off on about. It'd be like somebody, you know, there wasn't something right at the grocery store. I lose my mind. And it's like, you're able to literally bring yourself back down or even now it doesn't even fizz me. Those things, it doesn't even bother me that somebody might cut me off in traffic, right? Because you're so used, your brain brain knows now how to react or not react really. Yeah, I agree. And I think going to that example of where someone cuts you off, let's just think about this quite simply in all honesty that is a really severe sign that you are stressed, overstressed, mm-hmm. severe sign. Because if you think about it, if you're driving down the road and someone cuts you off and you absolutely go off your head, toot your horn, who are you hurting? Yeah. Abso- they don't care. Okay. They are so blissfully ignorant in what's going on. They do not care, Lyanne. They don't care at all. So you're wasting your time abusing them. You're wasting your time tooting the horn. That's what meditation teaches you. Meditation teaches you that it happened. Let them go. Like, what does it matter? Like, really, what does it matter? You're not going to teach them a lesson. Like, what are you going to do? Drive up next to them and abuse them? Do you think you're going to frighten them? They don't even know what they've done. So I think this is where meditation, and I think it's important for people to understand as well. Like, the example that I give with the muscle it's measurable. That is something that's really measurable. Meditation isn't so much me- measurable until you look back and then you realize how, wow, how much I've changed because of the way I react to things. Yeah. As you said, <clears throat> I, mean, I find things, nothing annoys me more than going into the post office and having the pensioners in the post office with their phone bill and all their cash and they've got pension day and they're paying and they stand there, put the bill down and they've got X amount of dollars allocated to that bill and they put it down and then the next person puts the next one down and then they put it down and then they pay that because it's pension day and that's what pensioners do. This is what they do. And that used to aggravate me so much. I'd be tutting and I'd be carrying on. But, you know, I was in the post office the other day and there was a lady doing it and she turned to me afterwards. She goes, oh, I'm really sorry. And I went, no, that's absolutely fine. And then I went, oh, wow, that's meditation. Yeah. Yeah, you don't feel like, it's not it's not like a, a drug that you take that things change. It just you, you look back in time and you realize how much you have actually changed yourself. Unbelievable. That is, I think, I mean, I think the the shifts that people have are very similar. When I talk to other people about their experience with meditation, it's the same in how yep. we you literally and I guess on the other side, the more spiritual side of things right? you're looking at. People, as you don't know, and what people are going through. And it's a more, for me, like that example, it's like, you don't know what everyone, everyone is going through something, right? And just accepting people where they are. That's the other thing that I've, I've really grasped is that everyone is on their own journey here. And we can't expect people to be on the same level as us. Some just, they just aren't there. And being able to, like you said, this lady turns around and, and, and is apologizing. And can you imagine, like, you didn't, you don't know what her story is, but huh? you know how to take care of your reaction. You know how to be in your, 
own presence and know how this is not a big deal or this is not important enough to lose your mind over. And it's the feeling, though, the sense of calmness yes, is beyond yes. anything. And for people who are listening, maybe who who haven't experienced this yet, where where did you start? Like you said, you tried guided meditations and that oh. didn't like for me, it's not for me either, even though it's funny because I do host weekly guided meditation sessions. But for me personally, in my own practice, I don't do, I don't use apps. So what was the first sort of like, is it a mantra based or is it just literally sitting for how long did you start? How many minutes a day? And was there anything other than going back to the breath? What was it that worked? A great question. A great question, because through the workshop, like I, I had done guided meditations and, and it just didn't work. And I'll tell you why it didn't work, because I didn't have someone to explain to me what I just explained, that the thoughts are what we want. Those thoughts, this is the misconception around meditation, as I said before. We need those thoughts to come and we need to observe the thought non-judgmentally, and then we need to let the thought go by returning to the breath. We don't go, right, you can go now. We don't do that. What we do is we return to the breath and focus on the breath, and that's how we strengthen that pathway by doing that, right? So the thought comes and we go. I never had that explained to me, ever. And I've never, and people have said to me, oh no, you gotta let the thoughts come and go. It still wasn't enough for me to understand what I needed to do. And it wasn't until Hannah ex- talked to me about, or t- talked to us in the group, because there was like, I think, 10 of us in the group. It wasn't until Hannah explained that, that I went, oh, my God. And then the other thing, when she explained about the progressive overload as well. <clears throat> now, what people don't understand, I used the gym scenario before, but Hannah used the scenario for us as well, that it's like walking through long grass and a bush. Right, And as you first walk through there, you're brushing all the leaves and um, branches out of the way and you're treading down the grass. And once you've walked through there the first time, you can't see a thing, right? There's nothing. You can't see anything at all. You can't see where you've been. You can't see where you're going. And then the next time you do it, you've got a bit of an idea because you've done it before, but there's still no path. And then by the end of the week, you can start to see a bit of a path. And then by the end of the month, you've actually cut a trail through that and you can see that. So you keep walking. This is the return all the time. This is you returning back to the breath every time. Seeing the thought and returning to the breath. You're actually exercising your brain. And then in another three months time, you can walk side by side with your partner now because you've actually cut quite a path in it, right? So that's three months time. And then you get to 12 months down the track and you can ride a bicycle along it because it's really like quite deadened, right? And you keep on going with that. And then, you know, you get to 12 months and then you get to two years. Well, in three years time, it's a highway. They've put cars on it and it's a highway and it's natural. Now you might think, Rog, where the hell are you going with this? But that is literally the return and how strong the return to the breath. You observe the thought and you come back. You return and you come back because you've got to let those thoughts come. And even the most powerful meditator in the world still has those thoughts. It's not like they're shut down. They still have those thoughts. It's just that they observe them non-judgmentally and they return to the breath or return to a focal point of looking at something, a candle, or looking at something, a focus point on the floor. 
We talk about the breath all the time only because, well, we've all got it. Yeah. <laughs> we need it. It's what keeps us alive. But, you know, you can light a candle and literally just look at a candle. You could look at a, a, um, a, a dot on the wall. You could look at anything. Now, the other thing that Hannah taught us when I learned how to meditate as well was 10 minutes is all it takes a day. And I thought you had to sit there for like an hour. And I always used to meditate lying in bed and I'd fall asleep. Well, of course, that's just not meditation at all. That's a sleep hygiene. That's a sleep practice. Breathing, sleep, done. See you later. But that's not meditation. <clears throat> so I learned, or I was taught, sit in a chair, sit straight backed, right, up to the, you know, um, up to the sky, straight back, and get your phone timer and set it for 11 minutes because it'll take you, for the time you put your phone down and get yourself into a position and start focusing on the breath and set that phone timer on the floor. Sit in the chair quietly, close your eyes, quiet. Even if you put headphones on and just listen to, I love listening to hang drum, to be honest. I love the hang drum, right? So I like listening to hang drum and I sit there with the hang drum, just the music, and I focus on the breath. And as my mind wanders, I focus and come back to the breath. Do you know how quick 10 minutes goes? Very quick. You need to set that timer because you don't want to go any longer. You just want to go for that 10 minutes to start off with. Like it's like when you go into the gym, you don't go into the gym and do four hours to start off with. You go in there, you have a bit of a look around, you play with a few weights, you walk out and you go, oh, I've been to the gym. You know, and it's the same with meditation, 10 minutes a day. Now, don't tell me you haven't got 10 minutes a day to do meditation, right? Because if you do this every single day, so you start cutting that path in your brain, those that, those neural pathways, you start, you start, um, enforcing you start um what's the word manifesting you start that then you the brain starts those pathways going and then it isn't long three months within three months and you might think oh, okay, i haven't got 10 minutes to sit there every day for three months yes you have yeah you have and i'm, I'm going to call you out on your bs right because you do have that 10 minutes right to do that every single day oh but i'm busy you've yeah. got 10 minutes put your phone down yeah. set a timer for 10 minutes and just do 10 minutes of of quiet meditation to yourself and just breathe. That's mm -hmm. all you got to do because it's going to change your life. Yeah. It's going to change your life big time. We all worry about going to the gym and building muscle and getting fit, but this 10 minutes is probably the best exercise that you could ever do for your body ever anywhere. Yes. I just, um, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be after, but I literally just launched a five day. Give me five minutes a day for five days. And you will be, you know, that's the perfect way to start because you're right. Everyone, I don't care who you are or what you do. You have five to 10 minutes a day, put down the phone, shut off the TV and just sit in your own energy and having those thoughts come in. There's that stat, right? Of like, of all the thoughts that we have, we have this like 80% of the same thoughts the next day. And then the majority of them are of a negative nature. And it's yep. like. We need to release that or you're thinking about, you know, things you sh wish you had a set or the, what I find found was that there was these underlying thoughts that were creeping out from my subconscious that I was like from years ago. And it's like, yep. where, where is that? What's triggered that? And it's like, okay, that's interesting. Right. But it's like you said, our brain is very powerful and we can rewire it, but also it's constantly playing that background program is constantly running under there. 
and having to like release that stress that's constant stress that our bodies are under especially as shift workers and that's why if i can i meditate twice a day if i if i can yeah. because mm-hmm. one is dealing with the stress of the day and the other one is dealing with the underlying stress that's built up over years yes yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think what I think what we do understand is we think we've been given a brain and that's it. But th- our brain through neuroplasticity will literally change. Um, it, if you if you damage an area of your brain, and oh, it's hard to explain, but if you damage a particular area of your brain, your brain will work and find a way around it so that it can work around it. This is like when people have damaged nerves for walking or things like that. And I don't fully understand this. I'm not a neuroscientist, obviously, but your body, your brain will find a way to work around it to make things work again. It will, it will work hard. And I think you touched on a point there, and this is something that I'm absolutely massive on with shift workers and in particular clients. And I talk about the reticular activating system in our brain, right? That we have, we have, a hundred thousand thoughts a day that enter. We observe, we hear, we see, we smell, we taste. Our brain can't possibly process all of that. So it sits on the outside. But what our brain does do is it lets in through that reticular activating system what it thinks we want it to see. So if you are socialising with your work colleagues in a very negative way outside of work or you're at work and you're talking negatively and then you are outside of work and you're talking to colleagues and you're talking negatively about oh this thing and i think to be honest with you i think covid was a classic for this because it was so divisive for people Mm. and what happened was our reticular activating system if we were looking for covid's rubbish that's all you saw but if you were looking for covid is is real then that's all you saw as well that's your reticular activating system at work so if you were to turn around and um practice a mindful meditation and also i'm huge on practicing gratitude as well because when you start practicing gratitude you start to see all the good and your brain goes oh so you want these thoughts in no worries and it starts pumping all those thoughts in and all of a sudden the world is rainbows and unicorns and it is literally works that way. Meditation enforces that and helps that as well. I, people might say, I don't want to look at, live in a world that's all rainbows and unicorns. You actually do because everybody wants to be happy. They really do. People don't want to be miserable. They don't want to be stressed. They don't want to be oppressed and dragged down by all these things. They do want to live in this world full of rainbows and unicorns. They just don't know how to get there. That's the problem. And gratitude and a mindful practice and meditation are definitely, as much as they sound happy clapper, they're happy clapper for a reason. Oh, so good. Oh, I love it so much. And it is true, right? It all goes together. And when your brain, when you can focus on those things, you'll get more to focus on, right? That's that, that yep. the whole thing of manifestation. It isn't, it's, it's you constantly seeing the things that you want to see and thinking the things that you want to think to change Mm -hmm. your life and to have a better life and to be happy. So this is a great conversation, Roger. Thank you so much. And uh, what I will do in the show notes, I will, I would love to link to that episode of the podcast with Hannah um, and get people listening to that. So 
Thank you so much. And um, everyone can stay tuned for one more uh, episode with Roger. We will be back another day. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here with me today. If you love this episode, make sure you subscribe and share it with someone who you think would love it too. And a five-star review helps get the Spiritual Shipper Group podcast out to those that need it most. I can't wait to connect with you online, so make sure you follow me on Facebook at The Spiritual Shiftworker and on Instagram at Lianne Magahi. It's time to enjoy the shift, one breath at a time.